Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Spark London. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them every month at the Canal Cafe Theatre. This story was told by Rajesh Tind in September 2009, where the theme was foreign soil. I've spent most of the last two years living in my father's ancestral farming village in the Punjab. One day I'm going to inherit 12 acres of prime Punjabi farmland there. My journey back to the village began eight years ago. On the 2nd of December 2001, I was in an office that overlooked the park that's next to the tube station in Bethnal Green, a few doors down from the very busy local police station. My phone rang. It was my stepmother, speaking in a quietly firm voice. You'd better come. Your poorji has died. <laughs> my dad's older sister was 64. When she was three, she developed an eye infection and was taken to the local quack in Rashim, a small Punjabi farming village where her and my father and 14 generations of their fathers, were born and raised. The village quite misdiagnosed, either gave or didn't give Puaji either the right or the wrong treatment. Whichever it was, she was blind for the remaining 61 years of her life. She made up for her blindness by listening and talking and gossiping a lot. She was always curious about where we were, what we could see, how pretty or ugly the bride was. (laughs) and she gave as good as she got forever throwing out some novel biting perspective on the situation at hand as if she could see things the rest of us couldn't growing up I thought of her as my very own R2-D2 from Star Wars and was fascinated by watching her top-knot hair-bun adorned five-foot-tall fat little frame negotiate its way haltingly around the house and through airports and at weddings and that fiercely independent Punjabi landowner's daughter way of hers She would crisscross the globe, now in Punjab ruling over the village, now in London trying to rule over my mother, flying off to Singapore to rule over her older brother and sister. Her and my father were the two youngest siblings and she helped to raise them. For most of the past 15 years, my father's house had been where she'd spent more than half of each year. Puaji, I think, was the person Dad was closest to in the whole world. I was pretty close to her too growing up. She was a piece of that place that I visited briefly every couple of years, holding my nose whenever I went to the old squat latrine. A piece of a farming village in the Punjab who came to stay in our house in West London for a few months a year. She would tell me the old tales about long-ago battles between soup gurus and Mughal Nawabs, about tragic yet inspiring acts of sacrifice and bravery, and about fabulous, 
unimaginable creatures from far away. Kangaroos, most memorably. <laughs> Punjabis are fascinated by the very concept of kangaroos. <laughs> Sitting in her lap, barefacedly staring at her blind eyes, examining my strange, sightless R2-D2, counting the hairs on the mole above her lip that moved as she talked, is where, I think, I learnt to love hearing stories being told aloud. I told her stories too, mainly Star Wars, sweeted by a five-year-old. So that she understood the game better, I would ethnically adjust Death Star scenarios for her. So we'd have the Resistance Fighters, some smaller kid I'd usually recruited, and Luke Skywalker, me, <laughs> swooping in on the Death Star, Puaji, on horses waving sabres instead of spaceships firing lasers. Cultural hybridity, I think they call it these days. I would usually play Star Wars with her when bored stiff at boring Punjabi formal occasions, such as those interminable funeral wakes that went on for days while priests read out the entire Sikh holy book, the Guru Granth Sahib, for days. <laughs> Star Wars was best at funerals, in fact. The presence of death would add to the dramatic pitch of the showdowns that R2-D2 and I would stage with Darth Vader, Darth Vader, my aunt who lives in the South End, or the Emperor, a role I usually assign to the oldest, most senile, white-bearded turban man around, who generally complained less, as he was often just grateful for the attention, and who had the added advantage on a, being a, on a pretty sound mental parity with a five-year-old. By the time I got from Bethnal Green to my dad's place, my sister had already arrived, and the undertakers had been called. I went upstairs to Puerji's room. She was lying on the bed, her chimney over her head, her face still, quiet for once. The mole above her lip had a pair of small hairs growing out of it. It was only when the undertakers put Puji in their van and drove off that my father, my roustabout, whiskey-swilling, six-foot-tall Punjabi father, turning round to go back down the front garden path and into the house, suddenly, from one second to the next, changed completely. Something in him just sort of gave way. Something departed right in front of me the force became weaker. For the first time, the person I saw in front of me wasn't the middle-aged man that I'd always known as my father, but a man who had just taken the first step across an invisible line into the land of old age. Over the coming days, the force did not return. I constantly watched my father's face, looking for the man I knew, and instead I saw a grieving, tired man who I knew would never be the same again. And it completely utterly freaked me out. I had become conscious that he too would one day die. Even more importantly, if he was going to die, then I would too. And if he was no longer a middle-aged man, then I could no longer be a boy. It was finally, at the ripe old age of 28, time to grow up, to be a man. But I didn't want to leave my daddy alone. I managed to postpone some work I'd booked, arranged to do some other things via email, and bought a flight to India. I was going back to the village of my father's birth to bury my aunt and to try to resurrect my father. First, there was a funeral in England. As is traditional, the mourners wore white, my dad holding court in a cream safari suit and elegantly wrapped cream turban. Familiar faces from every age and every continent of my life arrived at dad's house and to where we had carried the open coffin. Puaji lay there serenely, like a dead star hanging in the centre of a solar system, no longer turning. The old ladies wailed, the priests mumbled, 
The men soberly pulled on their beards with nervous fingers. I took charge of my, tar- charge of my stepmother, opening doors, holding her around the shoulders, being the dutiful son. But I kept my eyes on Dad. And what I remember most from that day were my Dad's hand gestures. As he talked to people who, like him, had come over to Britain in the 50s or 60s, I saw them slip back into their shared older patterns. Their bodies morphed, postures shifted, hands began to gesticulate in ways they had learned over decades to limit when talking to non-Punjabis. It can be quite scary being near a gesticulating Punjabi. (laughs) Watching his hands, I realised I didn't know my father. I'd thought I had. In that way, we all think we know our parents. But I hadn't, as none of us really do. I'm a Londoner. This is my land. He ultimately is a Punjabi, with a completely different way of seeing and of feeling and of waving his hands when he talks. We travel back to Punjabi for a village funeral. There, amidst cow dungs and brick houses, water pumps and mustard fields, I watched Dad bury his sister in grand style. Here in the place he was born, I began to realise that to understand my father better and come closer to him before he died, I would have to better understand his place his mitti, as they say in Punjabi, his soil. Purji, now playing the Yoda role from beyond the grave, had made me realise that time was much shorter than I had ever imagined and that to know a person, you must know them on their own soil. May the force be with you. For more stories and to take part in next month's show, head to sparklondon.com. Spark London is produced by Joanna Yates. Audio production by Matt Hill at rethinkdaily.co.uk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.